Hello, everyone. Uh, Dr. Joseph Ramos here, doing my first Dr. Lawyer podcast of 2021. I am so excited for this. Uh, 2021 is going to be such a great year, and I am starting off this year with uh, really something that you would not expect. I am interviewing Ali Awad. Uh, he is an attorney who also has an MBA. He's in Atlanta, Georgia, and what a fascinating guy. I'll tell you, we are exactly the opposite, I thought. Um, uh, Ali advertises that he gets people a wad of money, you know, like his last name, a wad. He does these ads where he's flashy and he's showing money, and it's just so opposite of what I do. And when I went to do this podcast, I thought, man, I don't know about this. And I have to tell you, I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, we covered some fascinating things. You're going to hear a really incredible person who is a fast friend of mine now. You know, talk about purpose. Talk about um, living your life, you know, for others. And that's what this guy does. And I, I just can't be more happy to have made this the first interview of the year for the Dr. Lawyer podcast. And I think each week you're going to enjoy this. I'm going to cover medical topics, legal topics, and everything in between, whatever's on my heart and mind. And uh, please reach out. Let me know how it goes and if I can do anything else for you. Take care. Have a great, great day and enjoy. Uh, with that, then uh, uh, let's get started. So first of all, thank you for agreeing to be my first, uh, I guess, podcast or interview of 2021. Awesome. Uh, and, and I think as we go along here, you'll learn just minimally about me. I want to learn mostly about you, but uh, the, the minimal part about me you need to know is I don't do these things. I'm not a social media guy. I probably have done five or six podcasts ever. Um, I do some television advertising and some stuff like that, but I don't do, uh, these sorts of things. So I'm sure I'll have it all screwed up as we're going along and I'll call one thing wrong. That's not another. When I went to actually look up you and who you were, I had to go up, I had to have my wife log in through her Facebook and Instagram <laughs> so, I, so I could see some of your stuff. So if that gives you any idea. You're making uh, me sound like I'm a baby or something, man. <laughs> No, no, it's that, I'm, it's that I'm an old guy. I guess that's it. Maybe I, I hope I'm far enough from the camera. You can't see all this gray hair. No, no, it looks great, man. How old are you? <laughs> I'm 50. I'm 50. Yeah, How about you? Over 49. <laughs> <laughs> all right, right on. Thank you. Well, I have to tell you, I'm actually, I was actually very excited to do this interview. And the reason is, is because, so my staff comes to me and they say, hey, listen, you really need to get involved in, you know, letting people know who you are and doing the social media stuff and doing some podcasts, and shooting some messages. And I said, oh, really? Well, why is that? Well, there's this really cool guy. He's nothing like you. And like, I was like, oh, God, really? So I guess I'm not cool, right? <laughs> He's really funny. You know, again, nothing like you. I guess I'm not funny. <laughs> and so they tell, me all, they, they tell me all these great things about you. So somehow somebody in my firm found you out here in Colorado. That, that's what a great job you're doing, man. So. Oh, wow. Thank you, man. That's hats off to you. So they told me how cool you were. Uh, they said, you've got to, you've got to interview this guy. And, and so I went on and looked at some of your stuff and I actually found we have a whole lot in common. Okay. That's very interesting. And so then I, then I actually got very interested the minute I saw that, because we have two different styles, but we are very much the same person. Um, and, and so you're one of six kids. Yes. Right? And where are you in that order? I'm number three. Number three. Okay. I'm the third of six children. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm a number one of eight children. 
Wow. Yeah. So you, you're the one where you're kind of like the guinea pig where, you know, because I know when it comes to my older brother, um, you know, he was also an attorney. Oh, and really? Everything that he accomplished, like everyone, like that's the standard. You set the standard for everyone else and you're MDJD, right? Yes. Yes. Oh man, you're, you're kind of an asshole. You know, that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like you set the bar so high, like in, in a, in a foreigner's like household, it's like you have three career choices, doctor, lawyer, or failure. And you pick two of them. <laughs> what are you doing, man? That is hilarious. That's that is hilarious. Well, in addition to, you know, our, our big families, um, uh, you're Palestinian mm-hmm. immigrant from Pakistan. From Palestine, yes. Palestine. Um, so explain that to me. For for uh, I've been over actually in in you know that area of the world. But explain to me a little bit when somebody says Palestinian, Pakistani, you know, culture me a little bit on that. Well, so those are two different countries. Palestine and Pakistan are two different countries. Uh, usually, um, when people mess it up, it's just because of the the letters, not realizing that they're two completely different cultures. Yes. Um, Pakistan is like I, really, really close to India. So Pakistani Indians, they speak Urdu and they speak uh, Hindi. And um, so that, that's kind of like the, the language, completely different language, a little bit more darker, complected skin, I would say. Oh, Palestinians are in the um, what you would characterize as the Middle East. Yes. And so the Levantine region of the Middle East is Palestine, Syria, Lebanon and Jordan. OK. And so. If someone is from that area, then we all kind of speak the same language, same sort of dialect. And uh, Palestine is just known for being um, like it's it's a war zone. That's that's really just how it is. It's a war zone right there right now. And it's been like that since 1948. So people that are able to escape Palestine or be able to start a life anywhere else, they're they're just so thankful to be and grateful to be in a place where you don't wake up every day and there's. 46% unemployment and lack of, you know, basic resources like water and food and shelter. And so the people that the Palestinians that are able to go and migrate to a different country or a different region usually find themselves succeeding because the alternative is go back to, uh, you know, a war stricken poverty driven country. And so that's kind of the, the Palestinian story. There's, there's a lot of history there, obviously too. But I'm always just grateful and, and so blessed and thankful to be in the United States and realize that I have family overseas that are smarter and better and, and, and probably well, way, way more confident and able than I could ever be. The only thing they lack is the resources and the opportunity. So that's what we have here. We have opportunity. And so it would be a shame to not take advantage of every opportunity and resource that you have here. Oh man, you are, you are a man after my heart. You're a fast friend, just like that. I, uh, so, uh, and again, I, you know, I started going over some of our background. My family came over from Mexico and uh, my grandfather actually lived in a tent when they had 10 children. And, um, and so same thing. And, and I think that what I get from, from, um, from you and being Palestinian fits perfectly with everything that I see that you, you know, of your success and, and, and what you've done. Um, and, you know, it sounds like, fighter, thankful, you know, use the words blessed, don't give up, opportunity abounding. Um, And what's interesting about that, we're getting to this much faster than I I wanted to get to. The other night I had a card game at my house. And I've got these these friends who are Serbian and uh, one of them is Russian, they make fun of him. 
And uh, they, they were also culturing me and teaching me about the area of stuff. But they, they had exactly the attitude that you just displayed, you know, with just thankfulness, thankfulness, opportunity. You know, we hear so much negative all the time about, you know, this country, where's this going and where's this? And, you know, uh, and I always hate to, to, you know, to sound, um, you know, you almost feel like kind of like you're being judgmental when you say, you guys kidding me? Look at this opportunity. But I, but I'm only one, you know, generation removed. One generation removed. Yeah. My, my dad grew up in uh, refugee camps. You know, wow. so when he came over here, like anything that I could possibly accomplish or however much work that I do is nothing compared to what he went through. And similarly, the, the previous generation to that. So for me, when I say when I tell people that I grew up in a mechanic shop, changing tires at the age of seven, starting my first online business when I was nine, having my first workplace injury when I was eight, like these are just these are just it was normal because that was my childhood. And people think that's so crazy. But for my dad, it was like, y'all got it easy, you know? <laughs> so it's, you know, you kind of, I always like to say that I've, I, I have a seven, I've had a seven figure work ethic with like a four figure paycheck from <laughs> very, very early on. Like I can get into stories about all the different online businesses that I set, that I set up. I had seven different companies before I even became an attorney. And so entrepreneurship was just always in my blood but it's an, it's an endless hustle, right? You're always hustling. You're always growing. You're always looking to expand. And I feel like, I feel like failure really is just not tapping into your potential. And so for me, it's like, it's a constant hustle. The only difference is 20 years ago, I was hustling used tires and, you know, and, and brakes and oil changes. And now I'm hustling a, you know, a personal injury case to sell it to a jury and tell them, Hey, this is why you should pay my client this much. So it's, it's a different type of hustle. It's just an elevated and, and a more refined type of hustle. And that's, that's one thing that people forget is like, you don't get to a certain point where you just stop working and you just relax and put your, you know, take the, take your foot off the pedal. You keep going all the time. It's, it's different beasts at every level, you know, a different devil at every level. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Just, when you're, when you feel so grateful and thankful to have these opportunities, um, you, you never look at what you're missing. You, you always look at what you have. Right. And that's kind of what, what's always kept me going. Oh, man, that is, that is so cool. I, I noticed in reviewing some of your stuff, one of your, you know, so then again, just matching these similarities first, because I mean, I actually want to touch on a few differences. I think it'll be interesting. Um, uh, you mentioned growing up in a shop. And so I also grew up in a shop. My father was yeah. a mechanic, owned a gas station. I was always fixing tires and and you know, the same type of stuff. Uh, so that was interesting. I, I noticed your first, uh, business or one of your first, uh, you were selling electronics at age 13. Sounds like you're incredibly successful with that. I was selling rabbits for $5 a rabbit butchering rabbits. <laughs> so a little different, but we were both, we were both, you know, going into the entrepreneurial uh, world. Is that what led you where I'm going with this is, is that what led you to go get that your MBA? You know, um, I always, thought that I was missing something with my business education, because when you're an entrepreneur, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. When you're looking at what other people are doing, you're saying, man, those guys are more educated. They have more opportunity. And I just kind of had this FOMO. I had this fear of missing out. So a big part of the reason why I decided to get my MBA was I wanted to make sure that I was qualified about talking about business. I didn't really care that much about what I was going to learn, but even though I did learn a lot about the uh, methodology and the vocabulary that they use and just the history of some of these behemoths of industry, right? 
So the MBA really helped with that. But it was the reason I actually got it was because I, I was curious about what I was missing out on with my own entrepreneurial background. And um, plus, I got the MBA for free because, you know, law school is three years and you max out at your credit hours. So I added an MBA and finished everything in three years. So I didn't have to pay to get my master's degree in business. So I was like, all right, two in one special. Why not? Let's run it. <laughs> that is awesome. And, and, and it's extremely unique, you know, and I, when I first saw CEO lawyer as, as your brand, I thought, oh, well, it's because this guy went and got an MBA because he was going to do something in business and, um, and such. And then as I begin to learn, well, what I know about you is from watching little clips, obviously online, I'm learning more about you today, but uh, really there's, there's more to behind that MBA because you were already, you know, again, in the business world, it sounds like, uh, it wasn't like you're some guy that has an MBA that's never owned a business. Right. No, I think, um, well, you, you don't go get your MBA to learn how to run a business. Right. You get your MBA to learn how to make other businesses bigger and potentially more successful. Uh, they don't teach you entrepreneurship in school. Mm. They, don't, they don't really teach you marketing in 2021 in school. You know, if you have a marketing degree right now, it's, it's about as useful as the piece of paper that is printed on. <laughs> Marketing is now all social media. By the time it's in a book, it's too late. It's outdated information. You know how Moore's Law says that technology is always changing every 18 to 24 months? Yes. And so the speed at which these, like uh, uh, the computer chips evolve is every 18 to 24 months, they double in speed. That doesn't apply anymore. I mean, things are doubling in speed and quadrupling in speed regularly, daily, monthly, annually. And so by the time something's already in a book, it's a little too late, you know, for you to be learning about it. Unless you're talking about, you know, old industries like oil and gas and you know, technology, it just doesn't apply. Marketing in today's world, it doesn't apply. You, you shouldn't be reading about how to build a funnel or a website from a book, you know? And right. so that's why all the technology that we have now, I mean, if you, if you really think about it, the majority of technology that we use now has been created in the past 10 to 15 years. Right. And so why, why, why would you assume that what you did 10 to 15 years ago is going to apply today? You know, a lot of us have the benefit of relying on brand where yeah. we can say, you know, I've already built this brand. I've got these clients. I've got the money. Like I'm full, I'm fine. But what you're not paying attention to is a bunch of these little speedboats. You know, these, these Titans of industry are like ships and there are these massive ships that are going in one direction. And it's really hard for them to change position or change direction. Whereas all these small new startups and entrepreneurs are like, you know, 10, 20, 50 speedboats that are around them. And the moment something changes, they can shift direction and shift the trajectory of their growth. And you might be trying to go here, but your, your boat is going this way. And for you to change direction, you might have to go all the way out here just to come right. back. Right. Whereas that speedboat is going this way. It could stop, pivot, go here. And they, they've met you way faster than you can. So for the people that are already in business and that are already seeing a great level of success, it's not about continuing to grow at astronomical rates. It's about ensuring that you're still alive five years from now. Mm, wow. That's, that's the difference. And I know for me, three to five years from now, there's going to be, I'm going to have so much competition. I'm just one of the early entrants into the market. That's all. I'm one of the first lawyers on social media that's using it the way that I'm using it now with constant video production, constant running ads. I mean, we spend six figures a month just in marketing. And from the outside looking in, people are like, oh, this is just a kid that's doing videos on social. 
No, you're going to wake up one day and be like, how the hell did this guy run a billion dollar law firm with a B in such a short amount of time? It's like, it's because I've, I've been really, you know, planting these seeds every step of the way. So yeah. that's, that's it, man. Like you've got to protect yourself for, for the future. There's yeah. going to be a lot of new people coming in that our competition is in law school right now. Yeah. There's so much knowledge in what you just said. That is so, I could not agree with you more. We, we also spend six figures a month, but not near as wisely as you do. <laughs> so you are well, waiting. You get into all that. Like I, I, I love talking about marketing and branding. Where are you guys based? Uh, Denver, Colorado. Uh, we have uh, uh, five offices here in Colorado. We have one in Scottsdale and we're just getting ready to open up in Montana and in New Mexico. So awesome. yeah, in the next four months. What percentage of your, of your practice is Hispanic clients? Probably about um, 40%, I would say, uh, are Hispanic clients. Yeah. And, we, and we've diversified a little bit. We do some employment law uh, as well because it's an area of you know, growing demand and such. And you know, people, of course, have talked a lot about immigration and bankruptcy. We're trying not to be everything to everybody. Yeah. Uh, as a medical doctor, we know injuries. We know them well. Uh, I have a lot of resources in the communities with medical doctors. That's what built my practice. And, um, and so we're trying to stay with what we know. When we go into some other markets, we may, we may try uh, some of that just to see, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure you're doing a lot of like billboard, radio, TV ads, man. But, um, dude, you, you, there's, it's still a big blue ocean. Yeah. You know, in, in, I don't know how it is in Georgia, but here in, in Colorado, attorney ads are every other one on TV. It seems like, man, it just makes you sick, man. You can't even try to is it that way there too? Yeah, it's, it's, it's everywhere you go. It's not just in our markets. Everywhere you go, there's a turn. Like every other billboard you see in the United States is a personal injury lawyer. Yeah, right. And so it's like, how, how do you change your branding and how do you kind of, kind of cut through that noise? And social media is it. It's, it's it. You well, know? Let, me, let me ask you a, a quick question on that because um, I'm curious to know when you, uh, because I've been practicing longer than you have, and I'm just touching on this and you're like miles ahead. Uh, did you know when you were in law school, this is exactly what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. Um, when, no, no, no. when did that hit you that you were, that you're like, man, this is the way to go. Okay. All right. I love this question. Uh, <laughs> the, moment, the moment that I knew I was going to be a personal injury lawyer. So a little bit of background first. Yeah, yeah please. Um, so I grew up really, really poor. And I've, I posted about this online. I had people critiquing and saying, Hey, well, you know, if your dad was an engineer, then you're not poor. I'm like, well, yeah, my dad was an engineer, but he also didn't become a citizen until 2017. So my <laughs> entire childhood and my entire life up to this point, he couldn't get a job anywhere. So we had to figure out how to make money, you know, yeah. so plus six kids plus Palestinian family growing up in the Bible belt where there's basically a huge Mexican population no Arabs anywhere. So I had to learn how to speak Spanish growing up. That was, so I grew up trilingual, right? So anyway, growing up poor and not feeling like I fit in anywhere. The moment that I decided I wanted to be a personal injury lawyer was when I went to this personal injury seminar. And this, uh, this little black guy kind of looks like uh, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. You know, a little black guy with a little fro and a big smile. Yeah. Uh, who is this guy, man? Like what, what can I learn from this guy? Yeah. He, comes up, he starts talking about his case and, you know, it's in front of a bunch of other lawyers and he's explaining the results and, you know, how he overcame these motions and the judge that he was in front of and selecting the jury and voir dire and, and every aspect of the case. And 
he said, you know, and at the end, I think we had a you know pretty good result for the client. So, you know, I'll open it up to questions. And one guy raised his hand in the back. was like, what was the verdict? And he was like, oh, I, mean, I think we did okay. You know, it was a $7 million verdict. Wow. And I'm like, and I've always been good with numbers because I've been selling, <laughs> you know, retail my whole life. I can calculate taxes like that, you know, uh, 40% contingency. You made $2.8 million just like that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But honestly, this was a very conservative venue. You know, we had a very similar case just two months ago that had a $20 million verdict with the same, basically the same facts. He was apologizing for, he was apologizing for his $7 million. <laughs> And so I'm looking at it. I'm like, so this guy just netted $10 million in two months. And it was at that precise moment that I knew this is worth my time. Because mm. I've always been struggling with figuring out what industry I wanted to be in. And yeah. For a lot of young entrepreneurs and a lot of people that are just getting into business, the toughest question to answer is, what should I do for the rest of my life? Right. And yes. the very first thing you should know is that the whole rest of your life thing is not true. <laughs> you can do so many other things throughout the course of your career. But the question of what should I do the first part of my life or the first part of my career should really be focused on networking and learning from other people that are way smarter and, and farther ahead than you and making sure you're getting into an industry that has a very, very high ceiling. So mm -hmm. if you start in a business or in an industry where you're just door-to-door -door sales, like a door-to-door -door meat salesman, right? And you learn all these different tricks and strategies of how to sell people and hustle people on this meat, you know, it's like, you can probably scale that business by hiring new people and, you know, getting a bunch of meat trucks and, you know, setting up the distribution, maybe even having a farm or whatever. But if you're living off of like 15, 20% margins, it's never going to work. Right. You have to pick an industry that can actually scale and can actually grow. And it's a growing industry, not a dying industry. So I looked for a business. I put a number in my head. The number was $100 million. I just felt even in my early 20s, I should be worth $100 million at some point in my life. So I got to find a business that's worth my time. And I was in the car audio and wheel industry first. Before that, it wasn't worth my time. I had a graphics company before that. It wasn't worth my time. Airbrush store. I couldn't quite build an airbrush store to $100 million a year. I was selling air purifiers, polo shirts, electronics and amplifiers. I had online stores, anything, cars. I was selling used cars. I even did with, dealt with real estate. All of these different businesses... I didn't feel like I could get to that $100 million net worth fast enough. Wow. And when I saw this attorney that did 10 million in just two months, I said, okay, that's worth my time. Because a lot of people confuse this. A lot of people think that you have to have passion in what you do in order to be successful. And I think that's really, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an amateur and a very oversimplified way of thinking of things. Because Passion is for the amateurs. True <laughs> professionals focus on purpose. Mm. And for me, I know that my, my purpose isn't to be, you know, on the ground floor, like grabbing a shovel and digging up and, and working with my bare hands to build communities and to help the poor and, and to give back to these distressed communities. My purpose is being an entrepreneur that can add a bunch of jobs to the economy that can generate enough income and revenue to where I can donate at monstrous capacity 
that's way, worth way more than just me working with my bare hands. And I've, I've put in my mind that my number one goal is to build the first Muslim hospital in the country. And wow. I could do that. I can't do that with just ideas and just with thinking and with just, you know, six figure work ethic, seven figure mentality. I really need, I need to build a billion dollar empire. And so when I, that's the answer to that question is, well, when did I decide I wanted to be a personal injury lawyer? When I saw someone else do what I was looking to do in a lifetime in a few months. And then I just went, I, I cut out all of the noise. It was like, I was like a racehorse that suddenly had blinders. And wow. I was like, this is all I need to focus on. Yes, I speak multiple languages, cut out immigration. Yes, I have a lot of family members and friends that need DUI and criminal defense work, but cut that out. You know, yes, I have business and entrepreneurship skills and I can work as a consultant and make two, three, four, five hundred dollars an hour, cut that out. And the moment I focused on that, I went from, you know, zero to seven figures in a matter of months. Man, that's an awesome story and an awesome explanation. Now you seem to have, uh, it's clear that you did this for purpose. Uh, yeah. seems that you also have a lot of passion. Is, did, did, did the passion develop? Uh, have you always been passionate about everything you got into? Are you one of those guys that, you know, I've had friends of mine tell me, oh, you know, dude, I love being around you because you're always excited about something. You're always doing something. Was that just you? You were always that or Or did this passion that, you, that I'm also sensing, did that develop with the success? Did it kind of follow the purpose? I feel like... Um, I feel like passion is, is really your attitude towards things. It's really hard to be passionate about the mundane and to be passionate about the, the very like uh, ministerial and, and boring stuff in your business. But you can build up that passion when you have a deeper underlying purpose. And for me, I just felt like I need to get to a point where I can, I can make sure my dad never has to work again that my mom is set for life, that I can give back to the communities that supported me. And the only way I could do that is by making as much money as, and as quickly as possible. And so in the beginning, it was all about money. And once I was able to take my parents on their first international vacation, and we did our pilgrimage to Mecca and buy my mom her, you know, her, a brand new Mercedes for Mother's Day and put my dad on payroll, like, and doing that in the first full year of my business, I said, okay, now that I've got this sort of infrastructure, now where is this going to take me? And, you know, as cliche as it sounds, like you can't pour from an empty cup. You really got to take care of yourself first. It's okay, man. Like it's okay to go get your money first. It's totally okay. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it, man. That's so but, but you can't worship the money. Mm -hmm. You know, my goals this year were all about how much I can donate to other organizations and how many more lives I can impact. I want to go from my 20 employees to now to hundred employees by the end of the year. That means I'm going to support hundred families in my local community. And I'm going to do that. I want to, I want to be able to donate six figures, write a six figure check to at least one organization this year. And wow. I'm going to do that. And so that's really where my, my passion has kind of taken me at first. It was like, you know, cause money is just the amplifier. If you're a bad person, it's going to amplify the badness. Mm -hmm. And if you're a good person and you actually want to help other people, it, money's just going to start getting attracted to you when you're, especially when you're not trying to seek it out. And so to answer your question that I have passion because of just my thankfulness and, and my gratitude towards just being able to work and having health and having, you know, youth, youthful exuberance and having 
opportunity everywhere I go. But my, my, my real, real deep purpose is in changing the way that society views Muslims in this country. Mm. Because I feel like, I feel like Muslims are always negatively cast yes. in the media. Yeah. When you hear of a Muslim name, it's usually some sort of terrorism is involved. And it's, it's hard to change since September 11th. It's just been really hard to change that sort of mentality. And, it, and that was 20 years ago. And so I just want to show people that like, yo, there's normal Muslims in the U.S. Like some of us are just entrepreneurs. We just want to have a good time. I love not, nice watches and nice cars. I love living a, a fun life. I love going on vacations and meeting cool people. And I want to, I think if I can at least do that in my time on this earth, I can change the way that at least one person thinks about Muslims. I need to do that by leading by example and not just by talking about it. Right. So that's my purpose. Wow. That is powerful. And that, that really touches me. We, we are from different uh, religious uh, backgrounds, but we have the same purpose and the same root. And that, again, that makes me you know, feel like you're here. I'd hug you. You know what I'm saying? As a brother. I, I really, that means so much what you just said, literally what you're saying, I was getting chills in my arms. I swear to you, man, I, I just means so much to me. Um, let, let me talk a little bit about the money thing. Because remember I mentioned early on, Hey, we have some things that are different about us. Yeah. So I want you to help me feel comfortable. So, and you actually just made me feel a little bit more comfortable with this, with what you said, but we need to elaborate on this a bit. So in my, here in, here in Denver, in Colorado, there's, uh, several attorneys that, advertise money, money, money. You know, I got this guy $5 million. I got this guy $2 million. I, you know, and it's always about money and they have people go on and do testimonials about money. And, you know, when I was looking at your stuff, I saw, you know, you'd actually trademark a lot of cash. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I thought was cool, man. That was, that was, that was, that was, that was, that was catchy. It, and, and you've done a lot about money. You've talked a lot about money. I always personally avoided it um, for this reason. And I want to hear why you went that direction and, and what it's done for you. So it, so my practice is big. I did write my first check to, um, an industry, or uh, I'm sorry, a, a, a group this year, uh, for six figures. Um, and, and, and have been able to, we have a lot, again, it's just so funny that the things we, I didn't get through my list of stuff we have in common. I have a black belt. I know you did karate and fought. I competed, you competed, uh, both had businesses, uh, both dual degreed, all this stuff. Now to hear, to hear you, you know, as we touch on this, the, the Muslim thing and, and, you know, your purpose there and giving, you know, a lot of stuff I didn't have on my list that I'm learning from you that we're exactly the same in that we would be fast friends if we were around each other. The, but where I want to go with this, this money thing, get back on track here is I had a hard time. So I, I have gotten multiple, multiple, multiple um, million dollar settlements and have done very, very well. Uh, we just uh, built out a 50,000 square foot building that we purchased. We have the upper floor, 24,000 square feet. I, I do have the hundred employees, the stuff you're talking about, but I've never advertised the money angle. The reason I never did it was this. I always felt like, and I have one attorney in my firm, man, it bugs the hell out of him when he hears me say this. I always thought that thank God for politicians because then attorneys aren't the lowest people on the totem pole. Now, yeah. where, where did I get that from? I get that from, you know, being a doctor. Doctors are always, you know, attorneys suck. This and that. I'm always around a bunch of doctors who suck. Now, all of us think attorneys suck. Now, all of a sudden, I go to be one. And they're all looking at me like, Joe, man, what the hell's wrong with you? Right. But I saw this purpose of being able to help people. And, and if you've come from disadvantaged backgrounds, like we have, and you know what it's like to get help, to get a hand up, to struggle and get a little peace. um, You are so like thankful and happy. And if I could be that to someone else 
And that's why I donate now and why I give to charity. If I can be that person that makes that wake of impact a little bit more positive, I want to do it. But attorneys don't have that reputation. They have this reputation. We've all heard ambulance chaser. Uh, we've all heard, you know, uh, the lowest thing to a snake or all the jokes. You know, they're, uh, really attorneys, thank God for attorneys, right? There's a bumper sticker I saw that said, nobody likes attorneys until they need one. Yeah. You know, but so, so the reason I stayed away from the money advertising, the money message was because I always felt like, you know, man, it might sell out my, um, you know, my value system. It might support what society says about attorneys. So having heard that, tell me a little bit about your perspective on that. You know, you, you, I, you're such a real person. I can tell you're such a great guy and you're giving, you're everything opposite what somebody wants to call an, an attorney. And, and now, and you know, I mean, with a, their stereotype, right? We know attorneys are very giving, uh, but um, I think that what you've described is just, this, just, you know, you're just a genuine person. You do this money advertising, reconcile those two for me. So, okay, that's a, that's a great question. So the first thing, the first thing I will say to this, for the first thing I'll say in this response is right now I'm 30 years old. I've been, I've been running my practice for a little under four years. And my perspective on money changes every single year. So the answer that I give you right now might not be the same answer that I'm going to give you next year or two years and even six months from now. Okay, cool. You know, I initially, but, but here's how I justify and why I think advertising about the money is very important. I think that once you start seeing a certain level of financial success, you forget how big of a deal it is to hand someone a $5,000 check or a $10,000 check or a six-figure check. You forget how big of a deal that is. And sometimes no one can really care about what you can do for them unless they can, you can grab their attention. The best way to grab people's attention for the, let's say, 80 or 90% of the U.S. population that doesn't have more than $4,000 in savings, for the 80 to 90% of the U.S. population that's living paycheck to paycheck, for the 80 to 90% of the U.S. population that isn't in the top 10 or 20% by virtue of being in the bottom 80, 90, and that they really do have to work every single day to earn an honest living. Those people care about money. They don't necessarily worship it and idolize it, but they care about money because I, that was me my whole life. I cared about it. I needed it. I wanted it. And sometimes the, as a personal injury lawyer, not just sometimes, all the time, all the time, your impact is directly proportional to the amount of money you make for your clients. That's just what we are as civil lawyers. And you can try to sugarcoat it and you can try to hide it and beat around the bush a little bit, but right. we don't put people in jail. We just, our, our definition of justice is to get you a big fat check, ideally with a couple of commas on it. <laughs> that's, that's our definition of justice. Yes. And so I realized that the reason there's so many advertisements about money and get paid and all this stuff is because that's what people think is important. That's what they value because you're meeting them where they are. Now, there is a caveat to that. Your values should never be sold for a specific type of advertisement or you know, a, a, a marketing objective that doesn't align with your core. So in the beginning, because like I'm an ostentatious, uh, you know, outgoing type of guy, in the beginning, 
I straight up went to Wells Fargo and was like, yo, I need a shitload of cash. This is cash so I, can, so I can do a video and do some marketing. And I literally have these videos. I took them all down, by the way. So, <laughs> I don't know. You might be, some, people that remember my old marketing will know. But I, I got a big bag of cash. And I was literally like, I got the cash and I was like blowing it like this. Like, whoo, it's, like, it's hot in Hotlanta. this? <laughs> This is $25,000. This is the minimum insurance coverage that's available in the state of Georgia if you're involved in an accident. I was like, and this is $750,000. This is the minimum amount of coverage if you're involved in a tractor trailer accident or a commercial case. And then I threw the cash away and I was like, but did you know? And that's how I grabbed people's attention. Wow. So I grabbed people's attention with the cash, with the flashing the money. But I evolved to a point where I think I can get that point across without seeming sleazy. And if I were to use, you know, the, the, a word, it's like, that's a little sleazy, like how I did it. Like I can, I can get you excited and riled up about the marketing aspect of it, but I don't need to be showing off cash to people because it's, it's really, it's, it's insensitive to a lot of people. Does that mean that I'm not going to be putting checks with a client with a big check, holding up a million dollar check? No, that's what I'm doing now. But maybe in a year or two, I'll decide, hey, scrap all the money thing. Let's just talk about purpose and, and, and show people what we're doing in the community and giving back. And that's all we do. That's because what you're doing right now probably took you a decade. And I want to be able to do what you're doing in three years. Wow. And the ability to do that much more quickly is by getting as much attention and making as big of a splash as possible, coupled with the fact that I have this opportunity with social media to get a lot of attention very, very quickly. And my dollar can probably go farther than your $10 in marketing right now, but only for a limited amount of time. Mm. And so that's why, that's why I try so many different things and put money in people's face and show them that like, yo, my value is by putting more money in your pocket. And you know, the crazy thing is that you would think that this only works for my 25 and $50,000 cases. But last week we signed up two wrongful death cases. Wow. And one of them, like, and this, this is really sad, man, but like one of them was a, was a 28 year old kid that was just driving on the interstate and he, he was involved in an accident. He was trying to get out of his vehicle. As he was getting out of his vehicle, another vehicle came at a high rate of speed, slammed into him. He flew off and died on impact. The 28 year old kid. And I had to go and have this conversation with the parents Ugh. and this is a it's, a, it's a tough conversation. No one expects to really lose a child. You'll probably expect to lose your dad or your mom at some point or older uh, relatives, but not your children. It's just different, you know? Mm-hmm. And I talked to them and kind of explained to them, kept it very professional. Like, hey, like, I know you're in here because you need some help and I'm going to explain to you every step of the way. And they don't know this, but if it turns out to be a minimum policy case, I'm not going to take an attorney's fee on that. I don't need 10,000 or $20,000 if, man, I want that to go to his legacy. And so the very first question was, tell me about your son. And the dad said, phenomenal. He was a phenomenal person. And he just started talking about his story and I'm not going to go into all of the details. Cause I mean, it even, it gets me emotional just thinking about it. But I realized at that point that what I'm doing is way more important than just the money. I'm empowering people that are not as educated about the law and their rights to give them a platform to be able to grab information for free. 
And you know what the craziest thing was about that entire two hour time that we spent together? It's when I asked him, so how did you find out about me? He said, actually on Instagram. I saw his dad is, his dad is also a medical doctor and he's, he's, he's on, he was, he said, I saw your, your passion and your, your vision on social media and all the videos that you put out. And I thought I, I would want my son to be represented by this person. And my son was still around today. He would want to meet you. And he would, he's, cause he's just like you, he's driven and smart and wants to make a big impact in the world. And I just, it just reaffirmed everything that I thought I knew, which was, man, this social media thing is way more than just a fad. This is a way of living. And people make huge, huge decisions, the biggest decisions based off of social media. And so my marketing is going to change and it's going to pivot and adapt and kind of go with the flow of how the world is working. And so right now I'm not as focused on showing off the money. Right now I'm figuring out how I can impact people through my education and through my resources and by, by just really exploding that all over the internet. So that's what I'm focused on right now. Now that sounds a little bit like the, like the speedboat, the ability to pivot, as you mentioned, and, and turn. Then we talked about that analogy earlier, which I thought was just brilliant. The speedboat boat versus the big, huge, you know, ship. Yeah. Uh, how are you going to do that? If you hit the, which I'm sure you will, hit the, your goals this year of hundred employees um, uh, and so on and so forth. Are you going to be able to keep uh, what you're doing as a speedboat? Well, I think you have to lead by example as the leader of your organization. And if you're in there every single day and you got your finger on the pulse every single day, um, your burden of carrying this potato sack up the mountain uh, is not, in, is not that much today. And if you add a potato tomorrow, it's not that difficult. And if you continue to add a, another potato every single day, and by the end of the year, you'll be carrying a freaking trailer load of potatoes up that top, top, the top of the mountain. Yes. The problem is when you take one week, two weeks off and you go back to that potato sack, you know, and you think, okay, well, maybe I can still pick up this potato sack. No, you can't. You got to keep your finger on the pulse. And so that's how I do it. And that's how, that's what my focus is, is to continue to keep my finger on the pulse and make sure that um, I'm not, I'm not straying away from the business and from focusing on my people. Is that noise mine or yours? Sorry. Me, my, my phone rings on my laptop. So I'm going to just put that on airplane mode real quick. No problem. Sorry. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't me. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be interrupted what you were saying. And so I was feeling a little uncomfortable. Like was my hand something doing it? And, and because That's I can't even do it. That's why I was starting off. But no, it's, it look, um, at a hundred employees and a hundred million dollars a year, which is where I expect to be by, by the end of the year and maybe by next year. Um, I'm going to have a bunch of little speedboats in my organization. I'm not going to have, you know, a hundred people just in one department and that's all they do every single day. And the, the way that I'm hiring is not how traditional firms hire, where they're lopsided, where they have 50 attorneys and then 20 support staff. I want to have, you know, 50 support staff to every few attorneys. And I'm hiring technology experts and advisors. I'm hiring web developers and, and marketing experts and videographers and graphic designers. And so it's, I think it's because my, my, the marketing machine that feeds all of the cases to us, I own it. And I, I can change as needed. And so I think even with a thousand employees, it's not going to change. Wow. 
thousand people and this is the business is making nine figures every single year, I don't think it's going to change. When something needs to change, I'm going to start and I'm going to lead by example. And it's because I've proven to my team every single day on that journey that, hey, when I make a decision, I believe in it and I'm going to push through. And if I make a mistake, I'm going to correct it as quickly as possible and take full accountability. And um, I think that's why we have a rock star team right now, man. Yeah, great, great leadership uh, qualities. And, and certainly if that's, the, if that's uh, you know, how you lead your team, I'm sure you have a rock star team. I, I know we've taken quite a bit of time. I wanna, there's a couple of things I want to touch on uh, here as well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift just a little bit. But actually, it's not too big of a shift. As part of your, one of your ads, I saw that you, um, I think it alluded to like you, like you teach other people how to market. Yeah. And you just kind of mentioned something like that. Is that like another business you do? It's like a Gary V style thing where you, you know, you know, Gary V is, you heard of this guy, you know, did did the wine thing and all that stuff. Is it, is it along those lines? Um, That's one question um, is like, how do you do that? What do you do? The second question is um, in, do you have a bunch of copiers right now? Do you have a bunch of people who try to jump on board and copy you or haters? Uh, you know, you know how that goes, right? That, that seems to me like sometimes in the attorney world, particularly if, you know, it's like a bucket of crabs. If one's getting out of the bucket, the other one's grabbing and pulling back in with them for the misery instead of pushing them out to freedom, you know, and being yeah. happy for them. So give me your intake or your, your, give me a little bit about your marketing business end of it. And then give me a little bit about kind of what you've seen other attorneys do as far as both copying and, and either hating or supporting. Yeah. So they say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah, right. I, you know, I have attorneys that actually send me their videos where they literally say exactly what I say verbatim. And they're like, Hey man, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I hope you don't mind that I copied it. And for those people, I'm like, dude, yeah, it's great. But here's what I would do with your video. Switch it up a little bit, do this, you know? And then there's people that do it without giving any credit. It's like straight up plagiarism. Like we did back in school. Right. Uh, <laughs> To me, it really doesn't matter because you will never copy faster than I can create. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. You know? And so I don't, no one is my competition, man. Like the moment that someone takes over that spot and there are, there are definitely attorneys that are way smarter and way better at social media. They just, they haven't really they've been distracted and they're, they're starting to pivot back. Mm-hmm. There are definitely people that will over, overthrow me and, and just like that in a short amount of time. And that's totally okay, but it's not going to change the fact that I'm going to always evolve and always learn and always grow. So the reason that I started teaching other lawyers and doctors how to do social media is because I think to to be in that number one spot, you have to teach others how to do it. And I wanted to spend some time actually being a practitioner before I became a teacher, you know? Like when you go to business school and all the professors are like teaching you how to run a business and do this, but they've never done it themselves. Like really listen to you, you know, because there's a difference between, there's a difference between a coach and a consultant. There's people that have actually done it and they're, they're, they're coaching you through it. And then there's people that are consulting you on one aspect of your business. And here's how we can help you. I wanted to lead by example. So the funny thing is in in 2017, I had this, and I still have a picture of this whiteboard because I drew it on someone else's whiteboard because I was borrowing office space. I didn't have my own office at the time. <laughs> I drew this big business design, business idea of, and, and I called it the professional company. I was going to be a social media marketer and advertiser and a brand developer for lawyers and doctors. I wrote out all of my ideal clients, the pricing structure, how I'm going to generate business, everything. I had this full-fledged business idea. Wow. And I just looked at it. It's like, 
why on earth would anyone want to hire me based on what I've done so far? I just started my business, just started my law firm seven months into it. I hadn't really even taken myself out of debt. I knew that I had a nice pipeline of cases, but I judge myself and we as human beings judge ourselves on what we can do in the future, what our potential is. Everyone else judges us based on what we've done in the past. Uh So I I can't possibly be the teacher, consultant, coach, the, 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 the professor of social media marketing for professionals if I haven't done it myself. So I put that entire idea on the back burner. 2018, I was like, it's time to get to work. That was the year that I spent $5,500 in ads and generated 3.2 million for my business. It was my first full year of practice. And I said, okay, now that I have a little bit, like I can actually talk about it because I'm qualified. Now I want to bring it, bring it back. And that's when I revamped it, you know, made it into the CEO media brand. And we have doctors and lawyers that we represent now um, all over the country where we do the video production for them. We do the ads management for them. We help them with the brand and reputation management. And it's, they, they trust me because I've done it and I can, I've led by example. And yeah. so that's where the CEO media company came from. It's, it's a complementary business to what I'm doing now uh, because I own the marketing for my law firm. And so I just decided if I can do this marketing, for other people, then the marketing itself will be a, a profitable business on its own. Right. Make your marketing a profitable, like from just the actual expenses from ad spend and everything else. It's like a unlimited, it's like a hyperbolic growth, right? It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So that, that's why I do it. And you know, it's, there's business reasons for it, but it's also to secure that number one spot. Like I'm going to be the one that teaches lawyers how to do this because no one else has that spot and I'm going to lead from the front and lead by example. So those are some of the services that we offer for uh, doctors and lawyers currently. And the, the beautiful thing is we're always changing and evolving. So I'm always looking for how I can improve my own practice. So I'm going to give you that fresh information right away. You know, you don't have to wait to see what other people did three, four years ago. You see it live. So the, the decisions that I'm making in my business now going from seven to eight figures and eight to nine figures, a lot of it is fueled from the marketing and the strategic growth. And um, those are things that I share with people all over the country. And I try to kind of meet them where they are. Um, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, absolutely. That, that's a, that's a a great answer. And, and, and I, I was, I was really curious because I didn't know if the, uh, you know, like you said, first of all, to, to sell that you teach people business marketing, you have to be able to do it. Clearly you're doing it. I'm connecting with you, you know, from East coast to West coast here practically because of your job marketing. So you're definitely doing something right. Um, everybody that, that sees you, of course, you know, thinks you're the coolest guy and, and, you know, doing a great job, all the stuff, you know, that funny, all the things I'm not according to my staff. <laughs> so, so I was just interested in how you did the two together and how you position them. And that makes, that makes great sense. You know, with, with that being said, I'm not doing this for other Atlanta and Georgia personal injury lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> because like people are thinking, oh, well, you know, if you're so good at it, why do you have to make money teaching it? I'm not teaching it to my direct competition. <laughs> and it's not like anyone else really is my competition. Yeah. It's just, it would be really stupid to put ad spend in the same exact medium for other people, you know? Right. Yeah. So for Colorado lawyers, it's easy because I can, I'm not advertising there. I don't, nor do I want to advertise there. 
I want to have a CEO lawyer presence in every state. And that's why we get leads all over the country just organically. But trust me, Georgia alone is a, is a multi-billion dollar a year industry. I just want to take over that. And that's all I care about right now. I'm not looking to have a, an actual office in every state, nor will I really be able to do that. Strategically, if I really want to build a national brand, I would rather have like, you know, CEO lawyer authorized attorneys that I know their business model. I know they're great lawyers and every lead that I get, it automatically goes to that law firm. And so anything that comes in, we have this kind of relationship already established. And, you know, those are the same people that have hired my marketing agency to help build their brand too. So I kind of, I back them up by giving them all those cases and by them becoming my client, I learn whether they're really building up these cases correctly and whether they're actually uh, working on the cases versus outsourcing them. And just, you know, a lot of people put on an image that's not really true, you know? Yes. Yes. And that's, that's what, uh, that it's kind of like a, there's a double meaning to, to the media company. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. And, and we, you know, I think, you know, you probably agree. I know when we refer somebody out, it's our face, you know, that that person that then represents them is our face. If we were if we send them to someone, you know, who's just a mill or just turning cases, not really working them up, not really trying to drive value for the client, reflect poorly on us. So it's yeah. nice what you're doing. You can find a network of quality individuals, practicing quality law, take great care of people. And, uh, and it is funny how small uh, the U.S. is when we when we sit down and look at it. You know, we get we get inquiries from all different states. Uh, on, you know, and we're like, oh, geez, I don't know, get a hold of the trial lawyers over here and we'll try to find a, a you know, reputable referral. You are knowing them firsthand. You're yeah. talking with them and working with them. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, before, I mean, time has fallen by here because we just, the conversation has been great. I really appreciate your time. Um, Sorry, I talked a lot. Okay. You're, 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 no, no, this is beautiful. I, I have, uh, I have two things I want to do before we close. Um, one is I want to milk you for some free advice. <laughs> right. Getting out on that, but you kind of have given it to me along the way. But but I've, I've got I've got to have you sum it up for me. And the, and the last thing is, I just want to make sure if there's anybody listening uh, to the podcast today, um, if there's any message that you want to get out to them, either personally, professionally, or otherwise, I'd just like to you know give you kind of that closing remark. So with my first thing, um, so for me, I'm an, I'm an MDJD. I'm a black belt. I'm a pilot. In fact, I was just at Peachtree Airport. I spot an airplane out there. Is that very far from you? Yeah, it's crazy. Did you see my list of goals? Because this year I want to get my pilot's license and buy a plane. Oh, man. I'm flying back out there in May. I'm having EPS Aviation over at uh, PDK, KPDK. It's Peachtree, whatever, right there. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's close to you. Yeah, yeah. I actually started getting my pilot's license while I was in law school. I just ran out of money. So I put that on the back burner. But this year I want to do it. It seems like a fun hobby. Oh, you, you will love it. And, uh, with, with my offices out of state, uh, with Arizona and soon to be Montana, um, New Mexico, you know, makes getting to the offices like that. Yeah. That tax write-off kicking in. Yeah. yeah, Right. There we go. Yeah. Talking about some money. It's a, it's a good way to do what you love, but also have a good tax break. So what kind of, what kind of jet do you have? I have a Pilatus PC 12. It's, uh, it holds 10 people. It's pressurized. You can put a ton of weight on it, you know, flying the flight levels, 30,000 feet. And, and uh, you, you know, I can fly nonstop from where you are. Well, I flew nonstop from you to here, uh, you know, really easy in a, in a hundred knot headwind, 130 mile an hour headwind. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, if I, if I come see you, we'll, we'll, I'll take you up. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I'm finding that a lot of doctors and lawyers, uh, they, they end up getting into piloting because it's just, I don't know, it's just something fun to do. 
And, you know, if I, if I, if I'm doing conferences or if I'm meeting, cause I do, I do fly a lot. And at some point it's just like, dude, I really don't like waiting at the airport. And yeah, like the American express lounge is cool, but it's not cooler than having your own plane. <laughs> nice to be able to pull into your hangar. I'm directly in it. You're always on time. doesn't matter when you show up, when you yeah. want to leave and come home, you're always on time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been to, you know, Costa Rica, uh, all over the country down there, Nicaragua, um, Belize, all the way up to Alaska, uh, all over the place. And being able to fly myself in that way has been nice. My son goes to school out uh, in Virginia. And so, um, you know, being able to fly out there, I actually picked up a helicopter crash case that was in Virginia, as luck would have it. And so I ended up flying out and seeing my client and taking care of them and being able to see my son. And yeah, so anyway. I, I diverge. I, I, uh, you, where you live there, where you're at is beautiful. I was really, I really liked that area. Um, when I saw peach tree pop up on your address, I was like, Oh wow, that's cool. It was just a, it seemed like every street over there where I was at was peach tree something. And yeah, there's 46 peach trees in Atlanta. So oh, there are. <laughs> so, yeah, so maybe I wasn't as close to you as I thought I was. Um, so, so tell me, so going back to this thing. So I, I, you know, have, have these different things I started to allude into that, you know, uh, could maybe be a marketing edge. Um, uh, what advice do you have for me? And hopefully a, a listener out there, you know, they can, they can extrapolate this to them. What advice do you have a guy like me? I'm really a novice at this truthfully, you know, maybe the fifth time ever, as I said earlier in our podcast, you're doing this. Um, what advice would you start someone off like me? Would you say, I mean, it, it, it could be as simple as you do. Is it grab your phone when you're in your car and be filming yourself? Is it film cool things? Is it find your values? Is it what's your purpose? What, which direction do you get people pointed? Well, look, I think uh, giving generic advice to someone that's at your level is not going to be effective. Mm. Um, and I think that actually applies to just about everyone. You know, you, the deeper you go with the question, the better feedback that I can actually provide. So just for the sake of positioning the answer um, for, the, for the listeners, right? Um, we're talking about a nine-figure law firm, right? Yes. Then six figures a month, low six figures, mid or high? Uh, our, our law firm? Yeah. Um, seven figures a month. Seven figure a month advertising spend. Oh, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was looking at the two and everything. I thought you were talking about income. Um, no, uh, advertising spend six figures a month consistently. And normally in the area of 200 to, you know, say 200,000. Okay. So with, when you're talking about a six figure, $200,000 a month advertising budget, two and a half million dollars a year, the advice that you give for a firm that's operating at your level is very different from someone that's just starting from the trunk of their car. Um, the, the, the beautiful thing about where you're at right now is that you can afford to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, you can actually test something with 20, 30 grand, 40 grand, and then decide whether it works or whether it doesn't and put more money into it to see what works. The main difference is, and the reason why I think I've, I've had a, a small amount of success in my business is because people that are in your shoes rely on their marketing strategies from the past and will very unlikely take money from something that is working into something that is speculative. Mm. As the, the only time that you're going to really cement yourself in the future and grow at these kind of astronomically high uh, rates is when you really believe that social media is, is where you should be putting your time, where you believe that video production really is where you should be putting your time, where you think that 
having uh, a marketing team dedicated to not just podcasts, but to branding your face and your firm all over the country. That's what they're doing 24 seven. And so at your level, if you don't have a full-time videographer and video editor in-house, then you should definitely get one. And you should probably have at least two or three actually. Habla español, sí? Sí, poquito, sí. Yeah. Sí, mi mamá es alemana y mi papá es mexicana. So, so, todo el tiempo en la casa, uh, inglés, inglés, inglés. So. Bueno, pues por eso necesitas a alguien que habla español, que no habla español, y puede hacer los videos en español también. You need a bilingual video editor in-house mm. full-time. And then you need to support them. And those people need to be branding your firm and branding your people through video production. Mm. So you need to have a 24-hour, like, constant ability to fly. And, and like, what, have you ever recorded you flying to meet a client for a helicopter crash? No. No. The only thing that'll make for good content? Wow. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea, man. Yeah, no, I was, I was sitting there in the airplane board reading motions and stuff. You know, you said on autopilot and you just, it just, I could have shot, I could have shot some great footage, shot some beautiful scenes that was passing. Exactly. exactly. So take your video editor with you everywhere. And like, and that's a huge perk because like, if you're looking, do you have a full-time videographer? No. Oh, you, that's your first hire. That's <laughs> yeah. your first hire. Okay. And so the thing is you can, you can build a team that does a lot of the same things that I do. You probably won't do it as good as me in the beginning, but you'll, you'll get there and you'll get better and better at it. And so for someone like you, we even tell them like, look, you're probably only going to hire us for six months. We'll teach you the game. You'll do your thing. And then you can keep us on as consultants or advisors in the back end. So you don't have to pay us a monthly management fee. Your very first thing at your level should be to hire a full-time video editor, videographer, wow. and then try to get two. Wow. Um, and then support those videographers with video editors with interns that want to work on similar type of content for you on all social media platforms. If you set aside 15 grand a month for content creation and branding, digital branding, you can probably hire three to five full-time people. That's going to be the highest ROI that you're going to get on any marketing. Wow. Wow. Great advice, man. That's cool. And, and, and I love you know, hearing you say that because you're right. I, you hit it right on the head. We get stuck in the old way, right? I was just down shooting some radio scripts earlier this week. We're just rolling out new TV commercials. We've got the billboards all around here. It's all the same old, same old, right? Those are still and effective. Those are still effective. But there are, there are really very, very, very few lawyers that are dominating social media that are also on traditional marketing methods. Mm. The difference is I can dominate social media and then step into your realm very easily because right. it's just money. Right. Yeah, it is. But with social media, it's creativity. Mm. Figuring out what people want to see, trying out different types of content. And you, like your methods are tried and true with traditional marketing, radio, TV, billboard, you know what works. You have the numbers. And you have the data to support it. With social media, it's still fairly new. So it's like a big blue ocean. It's once your level of trust and confidence in that this is what I need to be doing is there, that's, that's when there's limitless growth. Wow, that's cool. Well, thank you for, for that tip. Now, here's how I want to end today. You've been very generous with your time. So thank you so much. If there's anything that we haven't covered, I mean, I, I've, got a, I've got lists of notes here of things. I, I didn't cover a tenth of what I could have covered with you. You're such a... And there's an interesting person already and so successful already. 
Um, but I do want to end with giving you the opportunity to, to say, you know, if there's a, if there's a potential client listening, if there's an attorney listening, if there's just some guy who owns a business somewhere who's, who's listening to this, um, is there anything we haven't covered that you feel would be an important message from you to them? Has it going to have nothing to do with anything we've talked about? Yeah. So just because this topic has been on my mind a lot lately and, you know, I think you and I are, are very similar in the sense that, look, if we can help people, we will. And if there's something that I can do to provide value for you, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it on my time, not your time. And so, and, I, and I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm yes. talking about when someone sends you a message or shoots you an email or something and asks for help and someone wants to take some of your time and some of your attention away, I'm going to share with you guys what I did and what I recommend you guys do if you're looking for help and you just don't know who to ask or where to go. First, you have to have a serious intention of trying to bring value to the person that you're asking help from. And what I mean by that is, um, whatever your business is, if you're a videographer or if you're uh, you know, a social media expert or if you're a web developer or, or whatever it is, um, if, if you send me a message that says, Hey man, I heard you on the podcast, love your stuff, wanting to connect. I'm not going to respond to that. What's, what's, why, why, do, why do I just need to connect? What do you mean by connect? Tell me, tell me what you want to connect for. Give me some feedback. I'm looking for thoughtfulness. I'm looking for, hey, I can tell that you spent some time reviewing my videos, reviewing my content, studying who I am, and you asked a very appropriate and thought-provoking question. You know? If, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even go deeper right now because I've, I do this with nine and 10 figure earners that I want to learn from. And so I study them. I, I look and I look for, for golden nuggets in their content and in their brand. And one example was I met with uh, Andy Frisella a couple, of, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I flew out. And if you don't know Andy Frisella, he's the CEO of um, uh, First Form. Uh, it's a nutrition company, supplement company. They do something like half a billion dollars a year in sales really, really big company. They're very successful at what they do. And they're, they're going to be a billion dollar a year business within the next one or two years. How do I get someone's attention like that? How can I put myself in front of them to know, Hey, Hey, I'm here. I'm, I'm present. And I want to learn from you. Well, the simplest way is to pay to play. Mm. If someone has something to offer for sale, buy their highest ticket item that's available and go for the highest package that they have. Mm. The reason for that is because you're going to get their attention when you do that. If someone offers a, a consultation or if they offer a digital course or something, the first thing they're going to see is whether you've been a customer of theirs, oh. whether you've spent some money with them. Because why is it fair that I spent the past 20 years perfecting my craft and you can come in in five minutes and steal my precious time? This is the most valuable thing that I have. Right. Show me that you care and show me that you put some thought into it. Oh. Now, if someone were to message you and say, hey, hey man, I've been studying you, I've been looking at your brand and I can tell that you're an MD, JD and you have a very successful personal injury practice. I'm currently a pain management doctor. This is what I'm doing and I've really been considering going to law school and if I can pay you whatever number for just 10 minutes of your time to ask you specific questions about why you decided to go to law school, whether it's a good fit for me, I'll pay whatever you ask me to just for 10 minutes of your time. Me, just knowing who you are from the past hour, hour and a half we've talked, I know you're not going to charge them for that call. 
Right. I know you're not going to send them an invoice for a couple thousand dollars. Hey, cash app me. Because we don't care about money. We care about impact. Right. Every single time someone sends you a very thoughtful and intentional question, knowing who you are and understanding and respecting the value of your time, they're going to get a response that's proportional to the amount of effort that you put in. Wow. So my advice to anyone that's listening today is if you want to connect with people, sometimes paying to play is number one, but the very, very close second, sometimes it works better. If you don't have the, the funds, figure out a way to be valuable to that person, offer them anything that you can and make sure that you've studied them. Make sure that you know what kind of person they are. If you just heard this entire show and you should know what my number one goal in my life is right now. And if you tell me something, you send me a message and you tell me, hey, I can help with this and here's what I've done. I've worked with this kind of organization. I can assist you with this. Can I take five minutes of your time and ask you some questions? Now you're bringing value to me. And even if you can't help me, the fact that you listened to me and you were intentional about it makes it really important. And to summarize, with Andy Frisella, I listened to a bunch of his podcasts and I realized that his home was built uh, by Ulysses S. Grant. Wow. And I realized that he was a big U.S. history buff. And so guess what? When I finally got the opportunity to go meet him, I went online and purchased uh, two first edition Ulysses S. Grant memoirs, memoirs that were handwritten with handwritten notes. Come on. Yeah. And so I was like, and my wife was like, what are you doing? Is, is this like a, like a bromance you guys have going on? I'm like, no. The importance of, of giving him a thoughtful gift when I first meet him cannot be described. It, and so when I did that, he was like so taken aback and he was like, man, like so many people come and visit me and very, very few of them actually give me something thoughtful. They want to give me their swag and say, hey, you should wear my t-shirt or do this. or do. Why would I ever sponsor your brand? But you just gave me something that's so thoughtful and makes me seem, makes me feel like you're interested in me. After that, he's like, hey, here's my cell phone number. Let's go hang out in my garage. I'll show you all my cars. And like, it was just really, really cool. It was very different. So if you're looking to connect with people that you think can help you, be intentional when you message them, study them, please, and know what, what they're looking for and figure out a way to provide value for them. If you cold DM and say, hey, let's connect, you're not going to get a response. If you say, hey, it looks like we're like-minded people. No, we're not like-minded people because you're reaching out to me. I'm not reaching out to you. You know, you understand, understand who you're talking to, man. Right. Be respectful of that. And so, you know, with that being said, man, I, I really appreciate, I, I know when I'm in the presence of giants and you're definitely one of them. And I say that, you know, I, I've only, I only see this far because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I worked hard to get to a point where I can get someone's attention like you. And I really appreciate your time. And I'm, and I'm thankful that we can have a conversation where you treat me like we're on the same level, even though it's, it's blatantly obvious that you're, you know, leaps and bounds ahead. So, so thank you. And I, I really appreciate you. And if there's any sort of value that I can add to anyone, um, I'm at CEO lawyer on social media and trust me, I, I really want to just provide as much value as I can, because I think there's, there's enough impact for everyone to go around, you know, yeah. and I don't necessarily see anyone as my competition. I just, I, I think there's enough for everyone, you know? And so thank you, man. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for those kind words. And, and, uh, and to our listeners, I will tell you that, um, you know, to, to take this time with you and for you to be willing to take this time was an honor to me. I, I feel like I am 
you know, again, blessed to just be in your presence to, to find out the depth of you as a person, uh, your aggressiveness, your hunger, your passion, your compassion, um, your purpose. I can't see why anybody would not go see you uh, if they were injured or in your neck of the woods. I can tell our listeners, I, uh, before I did this, went and listened to, you know, adjusters can trick you, uh, uh, a nice piece you did, talented, talented employees stay and why they stay, adaptability being the key to growth. That was, that was a really good one. Um, adaptability uh, uh, thing. Uh, when your playlist is on shuffle, I saw that one. I was like, wow, I don't know, where, where's this one going? You, you, you spark excitement. Um, you know, when you get in a car accident, settle your case before speaking with CEO lawyer. I was like, oh, that's really good. You know, so anyway, <laughs> long story short to all of our listeners, um, Ali Awad, uh, CEO lawyer, a fantastic body of information and knowledge on his site. Clearly a fantastic person. Anybody who's listened this whole time uh, knows that you are the real deal. You're not just, you know, cashing checks and not knowing people's name. You take great care of people and you're, you're blazing a path with purpose. And so thank you for your time today. The honor has been mine. If you're ever in Denver, Colorado, you have a friend and a place to stay. If I'm ever landing at Peachtree Airport, you can bet I'll be calling you up even because I'll just remember the Peachtree. Even though there's 40 something Peachtrees, I'll be, I'll be reaching out. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm out and about, man. Looking forward to uh, to connecting again and uh, flying and, uh, you know, taking this conversation to the next step, man. So thank you. Go look at a Pilatus. That's what you're going to want, my brother. Yeah. All right, we'll talk off the call. I'll see what the cost is, see if I can afford that thing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you. Take care. All right, Ron, take care. Bye-bye.